Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're going to get something different today you haven't heard in a while. Listen, listen, Linda, (laughs) we have had to try very hard to plan and organize these podcasts. And I know that they may not be, you know, as timely, right? Because we're pre-recording some of them, but... This is how we're able to keep it going, okay? We've been very busy with this distance learning, okay? So it is distance different. Learning. <laughs> Children. We're recording this on Friday. It's actually raining in California, and that's a little different. And you guys are going to be hearing this by Tuesday, but we just wanted to check in and let you know what we've been experiencing this academic school year. Yeah, it's been a bit since it's just been us and kind of giving you an update. We, um, we've we now been in this 2021 school year for quite a bit now. We've mm-hmm. had a full semester under our belts of, I don't even know how, what to call it. We've gone back and forth, teetered. We have some districts going back and forth between hybrid and not and pulling back and in person and not and others that have stayed strong with being virtual all the time. Right. <laughs> Right. And there's some comfort in that. I think the hardest thing for a lot of my clients' parents is the unknown. So, you know, when they're virtual and then, you know, in August, they're saying they're going to be back in October and then September comes and they go, okay, we're going to do, you know, November. And then, you know, we're a week out before in person. And then it's like, oh, we just got shut down because of a cert. Like that, I think the yo-yo-ness of it, you know, at least you can plan if it's like, listen, the rest of the school year were virtual. Right. Very few districts that we've dealt with have actually said that at this point. And it's a bit frustrating because at least you can plan. It's not, nobody's happy, like if it's all virtual, but with the back and forth of like trying to prepare your child and then not, and then like that, I think has been the worst. And this is what I kind of worried about from the beginning with some school districts at the beginning of the school year saying, we're going to try our best to get in person or hybrid Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, you know, the minute they're going to go hybrid, it's going to be the holidays and we're going to get shut down again. And guess what happened? And I have kids that are transitioning from being in school a couple days to, you know, not. And it's like two weeks on, two weeks off. And the transitions back and forth and back and forth, it's causing a lot of school refusal. We have been able to do that. So a lot of students, depending on their needs, have been able to, you know, some school districts are doing learning pods. So it's not just, you know, special needs children, but also children that were just having particularly difficult, you know, home life or whatnot, so that they could come in person. It would still be the teacher virtual, but there would be like a one-to-one in the classroom. They'd all be separated. And so for some of our students, at least being physically outside of the home, was helpful. But then again, yes, the yo-yoing of, nope, everything has to be shut down now. That's been very difficult as well. I mean, we're still attending IEP meetings. They're more frequent, I think, in this virtual aspect than we yeah. ever did before. I mean, at the very least, I think it's easier to get an IEP on the books now. I right. mean, I guess I should ask Lauren about that because she's scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's not as prolonged. Like when we ask for an IEP, just because right. everyone can kind of attend virtually instead right. of being like, 
parents need to get off work and right. whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, in California, we're seeing, you know, luckily, I would say our governor has taken this seriously in terms of making sure that our kiddos are getting the education they need. Unfortunately, not all the school districts are following his guidance and his orders and his direction. Right. We should be striving to challenge these kids and we're not. But we use that as our kind of go-to as nothing has changed in the law. Nothing has changed in your obligations as a school district to provide. It's required a lot of IEP meetings where, you know, we've had to say, look, you know, the governor has said certain essential services can be in person, certain educational services can be in person. So even if you're pulling back, even if you're not able to have the full school open, you need to be offering for certain students who, you know, who need an aid. And if they're at home and the aid is virtual, they're going to just shut their computer that's, they're not having access. They need right. some of that in person. Right. Absolutely. They have to be providing at least something. And some districts are doing it differently. You know, they're hiring outside agencies, you know, maybe to come into the homes. And then some are actually opening campuses and having, you know, one-to-one aids. You know, at this point, I mean, I've said it time and time again, nobody is happy. It is not a great situation. And I think that after June, you know, man, and I really let go of expectations of, you know, everything's just going to go back to normal. I think the hardest part is trying to advise our clients, parents of that. You know, this is not a normal school year. As much as everybody is just like, nope, just go back to the way things were. It's impossible, you know, that there's no way. I think there's a misstep in that. But it's hard to let go when the society is still trying to tell you like, nope, you got to get those A's, you got to get into college, you got to get, you know, and I'm seeing that a lot with my high school kiddos, and they're getting in impacted, I think, I mean, all the kids with their socialization, but that's what your teenage years are, right? Is just the socialization getting out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for our kiddos that are already struggling with social interaction. And then now it's completely being stripped. And, you know, I've seen in a couple of cases, more instances, uptake of social media bullying, because all we have now is social media for some of these kids. They can't see their friends. They can't. Mm be on campus Mm -hmm. and so the interaction is happening online and it's already was hard before COVID and now I think it's become even harder and it's harder to monitor I think for parents because their kids have to be on the screen they have to be on the computer for school right yeah I know I know some clients have put cameras in their children's rooms to make sure that they could see them and you know while they're working in the kitchen to make sure that an impossible standard I I can't tell you how many IEP meetings I've been in where it's just like distance learning is hard for everyone and it's like we're at this meeting not to talk about everyone we're here to talk about so and so and just really trying to change the perspective because I get it a lot of the staff are worn out themselves. They're zombies, as I heard somebody say, zombies mm-hmm. on Zoom all the time. And so are our kiddos. And, you know, it's difficult when, you know, teachers are trying to respect some of the kids' privacy so they don't have them on video. But then if the child isn't responding, then, you know, we're running into all these issues. And I actually had an IEP a week ago and it was like, well, you know, we can't really do anything because they're at home. And like that just defeatist attitude. It's like that may be true, but why don't we try something? And that's what I just kept trying to like say, like, I know that we can figure this out. What else? And parent had like bent over backwards to tell them and like they 
they were even like, well, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. And I could tell that they had had this conversation with like all parents with an IEP. And the parent who was so on top of it was like, already do that, already do that, already do that. What But else? that's the problem in the first place is that they're saying, why don't you I know. do that? I know. As in, why don't you as a parent, why don't right. you as a child... Right as a student do X, Y, and Z. And I'd say the one, the one frustrating thing that I've seen a lot, and especially like our kiddos who are like on that cusp, who would be the ones that fall through the cracks are being told that they're just lazy or they're not taking initiative or they're not putting in the effort. And it's like, no, they're having trouble focusing. They're having trouble with everything else. And they're now suffering mental health challenges because of everything else that's affecting them. And I mean, I will say I've had a lot more teams in the last few months be more receptive to suggestions of how to help the kids. But why is it that the parent has to hire us and then we have to come into an IEP meeting to suggest something as simple as, why don't you have one-on-one check-ins once a week to help this kid organize the work he needed to do? Or why don't you have a conversation with the child and say, how are you feeling? You know? And I think that's the most frustrating part is that it's like, I could praise some of these IEP teams because I come in, I suggest things or, or I tell parents, look, you're having a problem with something. You're confused. Let's brainstorm. Mm -hmm. We can all get Mm -hmm. in one zoom room and we can see if we can figure it out. But I don't understand why now we're almost a year into this pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's up to us to suggest some of the most simple things. <laughs> That's what we've always been doing. The law's been around yeah. since the seventies and we're still here. And before we were even born and we're still here trying to shift the perspective. And I think that's the point of our podcast and why we've really focused in on our conversations with others because the landscape was changing and Amanda and I were playing catch up just like everyone else. And so that's why we wanted to talk today about what it is in this distance learning, I, you know, we would have never imagined almost a year later to still be in the situation while there may be hope on the horizon. But I think what people need to understand is that even if we were to return in the fall of 2021, it is still going to look different. It may be the hybrid, right? Because what is going back to school? You know, there are some kiddos that are doing a hybrid, but it's, you know, just morning and then they have asynchronous time or whatever, you know, and it's yeah. just like, that's well, not real. <laughs> right. And then I think even like, I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, well, like, um, distance learning has taken a toll on a lot of these kids. But what I don't think people realize is it didn't take a toll. What it did was identify mm. holes that were already there. Yeah. I think a lot of these kids that are struggling in distance learning were already struggling, right? but it was hidden because they mm-hmm. weren't having maladaptive behaviors. Mm-hmm. They weren't ditching school. They mm-hmm. were kids that were sitting there quietly trying right. to do their best. They right. were able to compensate as much as they could. Yeah. But now this is like shown, like given a mirror to all of the challenges that a lot of these kids have Absolutely. and how bad our education system does not consider the individual it is a one-size-fits-all and even for kids who don't have an underlying obvious Mm -hmm. diagnosed disability Mm -hmm. they're struggling but it's not because of covid covid made it worse right but it was already there i think in a lot of these cases 
Absolutely. And I think that one other thing that gets echoed is the fact that it's just so easy to just, you know, turn your video off and turn your sound off. And like, you know, the internet's right there. You got to turn it off, you know, and block it. And it's just like, I think you're still going to just the symptoms. What is the root cause? Not every kid, if the expectation is there to like log on, this is like work for kids, right? They see mom and dad go to work. They want to go to work too. And so instead of being like, well, it's just so easy. It's just like, yeah, I could not be on this Zoom right now and be outside in the rain because it never rains here. And it's like a phenomenal thing to experience in California. But like I'm here because it's an expectation and it's set. And maybe if I couldn't understand what you were saying and you were speaking another language then yeah, I wouldn't want to be here. And I think that is always what Amanda and I are fighting towards is you may not understand the executive deficit that this child has because of his ADHD, but you have coping mechanisms. You have a phone that dings every hour if you need to take a vitamin. You have these other types of, you know, I have reminders up the wazoo. Unless you have an executive functioning deficit, then you may not understand that this child is not lazy, is really having a hard time, or just forgot that his schedule changed. Like, I can't even tell you how many times. It's like we have to constantly remind them, this child has a disability. Have you known somebody? Like, and it's just like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how many times. Like, children don't want to just be disobedient. The behavior is a form of communication, and it is trying to tell us something. And I'm so tired of just being the, she's lazy, she doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like excuses exactly oh my god or the times when people are quick to just brush things off i literally i yeah 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 writing a a complaint yesterday and i'm like remembering you you know reviewing through some of the you know correspondence with the families and like something simple as like a child who has asthma and allergies using tissues a lot and a teacher complaining that the child is using tissues a lot and saying that's an escape it's not an escape. Like, why are we trying <laughs> well, everything in use? Yeah. And even if it was, right? and like, let's say even that it was, right? And instead of trying to figure out why the child is using the tissue, it's just like, excuse. Like, we need to stop that. I mean, we've had IEPs where we literally had to say, this fifth grader has to have water on her desk as an IEP accommodation because the teacher yeah. was like, yeah. no, no liquids on the desk. And it's like, I'm sorry, this child needs this for her medical well-being and you're refusing. What? And the only way we can do this is by putting it in the IEP? That's crazy. Yeah, this kid is going to have to have tissues as an accommodation, <laughs> like access to tissues. That's insane to me. I just, I but don't easy understand. for the teacher and the team to just be, and I don't want to blame the teacher as so much as our training for teachers right. because it's a general teacher and that teacher doesn't understand yeah. the complexities of special education law because they were never taught, they were never trained. And, you know, I know we give teachers a lot of, black on this podcast but we also praise them when they are doing a great job because there are some phenomenal teachers i will say a couple months ago i had an iep with where a teacher proposed what they called a triage checklist okay and it was basically a tool to help the child prioritize the work for the week to be able to not only help them organize but also decrease anxiety over how much work was needed to be done do you know how many times now after I heard that and actually got I got the them to send me a word copy? I've now used that in six other IEPs to suggest it for other kids because I didn't come up with that. 
I'm getting the credit for suggesting it, but I'm telling them, look, I got this from another teacher. So I think what I'm saying is there are like pots of gold out there and like it's up to the families and the teachers to try to collaborate. And I think if we can collaborate more, because like if we are, we don't have all the answers. Yeah, we don't have all the answers, but just a little bit of compassion. Let's just brainstorm. And I get it. We're all tired. I get it. We are exhausted. That teacher may have three kids at home and she's trying to juggle, you know, things herself. I have, you know, a friend that, you know, he walked away from his job so that he could be, you know, with the kids at, I mean, obviously they're both at home. Everybody's at home, but so that his wife could continue teaching because it was just, you know, she has two kids under four (laughs) and he, you know, and it just like, it's totally difficult. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, we are trying, I think the compassion is weaning a little bit. I think everybody's thinking, no, we'll go back and it'll be okay. And I always have to be the Debbie Downer and say, you know, in case we don't go back in March, what is the plan? Well, even if we do go back in March, because these kids who have been suffering, it's only going to show up more once we're back in person. There's so many more kiddos that we think that they're compensating enough, or maybe they are. Start- like We really don't know the toll that it's going to take that this whole year has taken on many of these kids until they go back in person. Because now we're going to have another transition. They're going to have been out of school for a year. Think about all those skills that maybe these kids have learned, and now it's going to be... I mean, part of my language, but it's going to be a shit show when they go back to school. Like, I you mean, think I these agree. kids are now going to be able to focus? They're going to see their friends for the first time, probably, in so long. Like, Well, I think that's where the focus of what it is to go back needs to change the perspective. We yeah. have, as a nation, experienced several traumas not only including the presidency of 45, but just seeing the culmination of the Black Lives Matter movement, of seeing um, the first female Black and East in, um, Asian vice president. Like, there's just so many things, and that's not traumatic in the sense, but everything almost up to that point. Oh, almost, yeah, a half a million deaths from this worldwide pandemic, being locked down for a year, not seeing your friends. I think that if the perspective shift is mindfulness and helping children along, which education should be and is in some areas, then we can begin to work together to get through this. But if the expectation is, okay, now you're in the fifth grade. I don't care that, you know, half a third grade and most all of fourth grade was online. You better know X, Y, and Z. And I think that, and grades, I think I'm having, I've always had a hard time with grades in general. Like a lot of our kiddos may have a certificate track once they get to uh, high school. And then you see like the shift and the ease and a lot of the great teams that are really trying to prepare these kiddos. You see the kid learn so much more. I think that could apply to all children. Grades are so arbitrary. If a child has a decision between like, okay, well, I can really do this research project that really interests me, but this one over here is going to be easier for me to get the A, the child's going to pick that, right? And so I think that 
if we have a big shift in perspective, which, you know, that's why Amanda and I have all these people that know more than us on the podcast, because they're showing you the different ways that these children can learn. We can get through this. But I think the bigger bureaucratic kind of system, which is why we're excited about and why we wanted to kind of jump on and talk to everybody was because of the creation. This had just been released the 27th, so just a couple of days ago, about the Bureau of Disability Rights within the Civil Rights Enforcement Section of specifically the California Department of Justice. So this is an area that we have, or not an area, but this is a government agency that Amanda and I in the past have worked with. It was definitely different in this last administration under 45, 100% different than what it was under the Obama administration in terms of a child being discriminated based on their disability. So yes, under the IDEA, we usually typically look at the progress a child's making or not making the services and things like that. And this is a different area of the law in the sense because we're focused on discrimination. And so you file a complaint and an investigation would happen. But now there's going to be a bureau under that umbrella specifically for disabilities, which is exciting. Well, it's great because the Office of Civil Rights that we've filed complaints before is in within the federal Department of Education. And it was so, because it was federal, there were so many cases that things took a very long time. So this being the de- part of the California Department of Justice, we're really hoping that allows us or allows them to kind of take on more quickly, take action. It's going to be really interesting to see. You guys will have to stay tuned as we see what actually happens, because this was something literally this past Monday, January 23rd, I believe, or 25th, the Attorney General in California announced. And now we know our Attorney General has been, I think you said he's been confirmed, right? He's been confirmed in, or he's going to be confirmed. He's been appointed. I went to take a drink of my tea. Yeah, so as we had Googled this right before we got on, obviously in December, he had been kind of touted as in wanting to be in the Biden administration. And obviously we're in this weird time where a lot of those appointments are going through Congress right now. So as of yet, he hasn't been appointed, but it looks like he will. He'll probably Um, be confirmed. So we will have a new attorney general in California sometime this year. And it'll be interesting to see. Our hopes is that because Governor Newsom has been very clear on the importance of education and especially for our kiddos with disabilities, that the laws remain the same. You know, he didn't request waivers. He's been very clear to say that the education should still be challenging. Mm -hmm. Our hopes is that whoever he appoints to attorney general to replace our current attorney general, that person will continue on this work and we'll see how, you know, this goes. But the one thing that we appreciate is, I mean, it's called the Bureau of disability rights. So, I mean, it's putting on the forefront that disability rights is important. Like we've always said, it's civil right. It's a human right. It is important. I believe the Biden administration and President Biden himself in his winning speech after the longest election week ever had made reference to disability rights. I also believe that during the inauguration was the first time I had ever seen the was it the Pledge of Allegiance? Oh my goodness, I just had like a brain. Oh, signed. Yeah. Yes, signed. So to me, even though this is specific to California, I think that I say this all the time with different schools, right? Or even just school districts. It's all it's 
top down. So mm-hmm. once the head, you know, obviously it's the neck that moves things, but if the head is not there, then we don't get these things done. So I'm already seeing a dramatic shift and I'm very excited to start filing whatever we can because we had stopped. We really had in the last couple of years because we were just getting blatant rejections and we, we didn't have too many because obviously our focus is within the IDEA. But, you know, for us just being a man in, we really had to dig down deep and really try to prioritize what it was that we could get the fastest results. And it's been a roller coaster for sure. But, you know, thank you guys for being on the ride along with us. And yeah, and we you know, this is a good update. To collaborate with each other. We haven't talked about this in a bit, but I do want to remind our listeners of our Facebook group. Yes. We've seen a lot of good collaboration in the past. And I know that things have been tough lately and people are burned out and be on their screen. So I know that there hasn't been as much traction, but you know, there are some amazing teachers out there coming up with some great tools and a lot of them are not that complicated. So we really encourage you to go on our Facebook and collaborate with each other. If you are a teacher or an administrator or a parent and you have used a tool that Mm -hmm. has worked for your child or your student, please, please, please share it, you know, because you never know who you're going to reach out to and who's going to be able to help. And maybe it'll be something that everybody can benefit from. So we really encourage you to go on our Facebook group. Um, It's just Inclusive Education Project Podcast. Yeah. I know we have, we haven't talked about it in a bit. So I want to remind you guys that please go and collaborate. And even if it's not on our page, even if it's in, you know, you share on your own pages or Pinterest or something. It doesn't have to be something huge. It it could really just be like, you know what? I started implementing this and it's been helpful. It really can just be something very simple. I know one parent is kind of just using a timer because you can get so glued to like listening. It's just like, no, take, you know, stretch for, you know, you can still listen and take a stretch. So, I mean, something as simple that, you know, please come on and share it because I think all of us just need those reminders. And when we get reminders of like, oh, hey, you should do this. It's very, very helpful because we just have so little brain power right now. (laughs) So we need each other. But um, thank you guys for being part of this community. We cherish you and we're just, we're so grateful that we can keep doing this and you guys keep listening. So have a good rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.